of competition going on. Anybody notice that on your TV? Anybody tried to turn over, you know, and there's been all sorts of domestics going on uh, in the house? You know, the reason we showed you that clip, because we're on a series called Game Changers. You know, somebody who enters the game and makes a difference. And that was a great example of Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he's got incredible stats, by the way. He's played for Portugal 152 times. You know, he has scored 85 goals. He's assisted 29 goals. And he's won the Balloon d'Or, uh, you know, an incredible award five times. He is uh, a world-class footballer that some would say one of the best footballers the world has ever seen. You know, that's his trademark game-changing moment when he leaps in the air and then goes like that as well. This whole series really is designed to put you in your field of play, in your life, in your workplace, in your home life, in your street, in your town, in your village, in your city, to give you that game-winning moment that you go, actually, I know who I'm called to be. I know that I've discovered my purpose and I'm going to make a difference. And I want to put through, God knows that answer. God knows where you operate at your best. God knows when you operate in your destiny and in your alignment. And what I want to try and achieve this morning, if I can, is just a tiny spark to get you living according to what God has called you to be. It's very easy to to look at other people and say, well, I want to have their dream or I want to be like that. You know what? You want to scrub everyone else because God has got a unique purpose for your life, to be a game changer in your life, you know, to be the greatest dad that you can ever be, to be the greatest mom or, or sister or auntie or, or work colleague or friend, you know, we, we are called to rise. And I just want to, if I can, take a few moments just to say, come on, lift your eyes out, lift your game. You know, I'm not going to kind of preach for football, you like to catch levels. Things like that, you know, there will be football later on. And we, you know, if you, if you want to just kind of play football bingo, I might be making a few allegories that relate to the game, you know, because it's just easy to understand, you know. But the, the moment I want to kind of draw in a football match is, is the moment when the substitutes are, are, are brought on. You know, and, and you'll get the assistant line and referee will, will pop up the, the sign like that. And then you'll, you'll get the, 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 the player step up to the line. And this is what you get. And then you get the close-up, and you always get this. It's part of the training. <laughs> Have you noticed that, isn't it? That out the neck comes, right? And, and it's that moment when they step over that line. I, I, I hope today becomes a moment where you step over the line into the purposes of God. And it's that moment where you, because you, you dreamt of that moment of changing the game, 88 minutes, you know, 3-2 down, there's a chance of a free kick, and you know, that's the game-changing moment, or, or is it? Was that the game-changing moment for Ronaldo? Was it the game-changing moment when he ran down the wing? Was it the game-changing moment when, when he delivered the ball? Was it the game-changing moment when he stood on that sideline, ready to go? This is my moment. I'm going to step in. I, I want to kind of put a a premise before you, because I actually think the moment wasn't that line. I, I, I kind of want to put the moment for Ronaldo was the practice pitch. I don't really know this, but footballers spend hours and hours and hours practicing 
on the pitch. I, I want to kind of just as a background, just to kind of give you a little bit of respite um, from me, just while I'll, I'll carry on chatting, but give you some view. This is Ronaldo's training camp. You know, he's renowned for his um, fastidiousness and kind of pernickety in, in getting it right. So have we got, did we manage to do that? And you'll see some of the gameplay over the next few minutes uh, while I chitter chatter. But, you know, um, of how hard he trains on the pitch, that moment of preparation, you know. And so they practice five times a week, five days, you know. And day one is game day, which I, I kind of really like. And, and day two is recovery. And then day three, they're all into the training. Day six, they, they take a, a, another rest day. And then day seven, the day before day one, the game day, is they're getting ready for, for the game. It's a good balance. It's a good rhythm that they've got. They spend five hours tactically as a team working through drills and headers and kicks and passes, you know, and, and running all around. But, and that doesn't, by the way, include what's called strengthening and conditioning. Now, that's the gym work. So that five hours, you know, is sandwiched by, by gym, by which they're building up their core strength. They, footballers run, on average, nine miles a game, you know, in the space of 90 minutes, you know, and it stop, 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 pace, run, you know, and, and they've, they've got to be fit and they've got to be strong. Their whole life is all about that. You, you, we think we changed the game, that moment when the whole world is looking at us. We think when that big pressure moment is, but the game is changed on the practice pitch. The game is changed for us when we actually stand up and realize, you know what, in the secret place, in that quiet space, when we learn our disciplines, you know, when nobody else is watching, you know, Ronaldo, as a seven-year-old boy, when he made the decision, I want to be a footballer and I'm going to train as hard as I can every single day of my life to be that level is what got him to the level where he is today. He didn't just walk up one day and say, you got a job and, you know, he's just got this little paunch there, you know, and just rolls up and things like that. You, you know, if I'm going to talk about changing your game of your life before God, some of us roll up to God and go, God, I'm, I'm ready. And God says, you're not ready for what I've got for you. And, and we look at God, how dare you? How, how, how dare you? And, and, and God, you know, in his great loving way just kind of pokes out a little bit of chubbiness sometimes and just says, I, I need you to put you to the test a little bit. I need to get you onto the field. I need to get you training. I need you to get you some drills going. I need to build up your spiritual stamina because if you want to change the game in your life, I need to position you well. And this message is about getting ourselves on to the practice pitch. If I want to be a good dad, there are things I can do to position myself so I can be an example for my children. I believe in example. I believe in role modeling. I, I love the fact when Jake stands up and he walks into a youth club and he doesn't know what he's walking into. And really, he's walked into the family of God. I love the fact he's invited to a club and, you know, 100 kids like Jake there, you know, and he meets the team and then he realizes in the context of the team that they are carrying something, Okay. They position themselves. You know, they're, they're playing the game, you know. And, and then Jake goes and finds and starts to hear about God, starts to study the Bible, starts to look at you guys, by the way. I don't know if you know how key you are in Jake's growth to find God because when he's looking at God, he's looking at you. I don't know if you know this, but God reveals himself through you. That, that's what an incredible thing, you know. And Jake mentions name of, of strategic people in her life who are part of that growth side, you know. And I, I love the moment that he gets to the point and says, God, you want me to start training 
to follow you and, and Jake's on that journey. T- today's a significant day, and I want you to come tonight just to see Jake and Lara, because they're going to stand along the water, and they're going to do... Right? You know Ronaldo, parents, they've taken him to training. They've taken him to matches. They've been there going, come on, you can do this. You can do this. But training happens in this secret place, the place of excuse. It's a principle in the Bible, by the way, so don't look for the accolade of men. Don't look for the public thing. Look for the quiet place because God does incredible things in the place of security. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I hope that somehow there's a word in what I say that becomes the beginning of something in your spiritual life. That actually say, I am going to plant something in you that's going to grow into a rich harvest. You know Noah? He was found, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 120 years Noah spent on the practice pitch. 120 years. Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's presence and he, 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 he fled into the desert till he was 80 years old when God suddenly called him out of the desert and in to be a leader of, of, the, of the children of Israel to lead them out of the oppression when he had that moment in that desert when God, this is your moment. God planted something in that obscure place of him. You see, in David, David was a shepherd boy. He found God on the hills when nobody else was around. Joseph was his father's favorite son, but at the bottom of a well, when he's abused and beaten and abandoned, he finds God in that dark, deep place. Elijah was hidden in a place of drought, where the the whole nation has got no water as an incredible prophet. But there he is at this going, where is everybody else? And God feeds him. God sends water in this tiny brook called Cherif. John the Baptist spent most of his writings isolated totally on the Isle of Patmos and we read about the prophecies of what's going to happen in the end of, of our days because of those writings, because of his isolation. Let me tell you, God is doing something in your life in the secret place, in the place of obscurity. The Bible is full of game changers. And I'm not going to draw your attention to the big public stage. I want to draw your attention to the quiet moments when God walks into people's lives. And today's example is Samuel. You can find his story. He's got two books written on him. Edition 1, 1 Samuel. Edition 2, 2 Samuel that goes on from his legacy, builds on. But 1 Samuel chapter 1, he was a game changer. God grew him in a secluded place of obscurity called Shiloh, Right? If you've never been to church, you've never heard of Shiloh. If you've read your Bible, you may have heard of Shiloh, right? The historians didn't discover Shiloh to in the 1800s, right? Because it's a secluded place. It's a desolate place. And oddly enough, in this desert place, in the desert, way away from anything, that's where God chose for a temple to be established in that place. It, it was just, nobody's heard of it. Just the backwaters of, of, of anywhere, you know. And God says, you know what? In this place, I'm going to start doing something amazing in the nation. Place of obscurity. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 says, The word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no vision. So precious means rare. God's word was rare. God wasn't speaking or people weren't listening Either way, they weren't taking notice of God until one day God starts to speak to a very young boy called Samuel. Samuel's name means God has heard my prayer. 
It was given by his mum, Hannah. Hannah was infertile. In a day when there was no IVF, when there was no doctors who could solve that problem, it was seen as a curse before God if they couldn't have children. And Hannah, his mum, finds herself in the presence of God, one in Shiloh, in the backwaters, weeping before God. I don't know. Have you ever been in a place when you felt barren? You ever been in the place at the bottom of the well? You're in the place when you think everybody else has walked off. You ever been looked at a situation and you're looking at it thinking, oh, I don't know how I can answer that situation. Today's an incredible day for us as a church, and let me tell you why it's an incredible day. Because Hetty and Noah are the answer to your prayers. Right, whether you know Kevin or Sally or not, whether you were praying or not, let me tell you, their journey is one of desolation, one of crying out to God. You know, this was their last chance at having a baby, you know, and, and for those who decided to take the knee for them. And to say, God, would you just open her wound? Would you, would you implant a seed into that? And, and you know when we were praying, you know, and, and, and Kevin's saying we're going in for the checkups on this day, and, and you were there, you know, and, we're thinking, and then we get the call going, it's taken. She is pregnant, and you, you're in that, and, and, and then the, the pregnancy has not been as straightforward. There's been ups and downs, and we've been praying and seeing God. She's been hospitalized in and out. And, 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 you know, Thursday, when you get the call off, you know, when we, actually, when we got the thing, of when the scan came back, it's not one baby, it's two. I don't know if you knew, but God is able to bless you double in the place of barrenness. What, what was, I mean, this is, this is like my life, by the way. I was incredibly ecstatic. But, you know, before I took the phone call that day, Rachel comes to me, she says, God spoke to me. She said, I think it's going to be twins. And I, I get the call, and Kevin rings me and said, oh, the baby's doing well. In fact, can I just say babies? And I look at Rachel, and I'm like, how do you know these things? <laughs> Samuel was born in that, that moment. Samuel was a miracle baby. Because a miracle was what was required. And let me tell you, God is a God of miracles. Whatever breakthrough you're needing right now, you know, you can look at various options, but let me tell you, there is the most high God who you can go to say, God, you just send a breakthrough. The nation was under attack by the Philistine army. They were being oppressed. They were attacking, they were taking, you know, and, and just ripping out all the crops and the harvest and everything and leaving them destitute. And this is probably why the temple is in this secluded place where it's not key. Samuel was born into that place, and they're attacked. And one day in their history, 4,000 of the Israelites are slaughtered by this enemy. And it's, it's just a dark day. And everybody, you know, with the word of the Lord, where are you, God? I don't know if you've cried out in those times. Where are you, God? And they're crying. So what they do is, you know, in their history, they take the ark of God, which was the presence of God, and they, they look for their history, and they realize when the ark of God was taken into battle, that they got a victory so, so, so that the priest authorized the moving of the ark of God and, and they picked the ark up and, and they went to take on the Philistines thinking that the presence of God would go with them because that was the presence of God and everybody cheered and there was great faith and they marched into battle and 300,000 of their own people, 300,000 Israelites died that day and the Philistines stole the presence of God. Here's a line from the Bible, by the way. If you are following tradition because it worked in the past, there is no guarantee that traditions will work in the future. 
Because here's the thing, it's not about a box of gold that changes your life. It's not about a trinket. It's not about a crystal. It's not about a card. It's, it's not about a, 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 a false a pharmaceutical product. It's not about a, something found in a bottle. Whatever you're used to, you realize you get to that point of going, it does not work anymore in my life until you realize that God says, look, I'm the one that works. It was God in the box that brought the victory, not the box itself. If you're looking at the model of church and going, that's how God worked in the past, it is not how he's going to work in the future. The reason we're calling for prayer, you know, in just a few days' time, a week on Friday, the reason I'm going to put out the challenge is to say, do you want to fast? Do you want to call on God? Because you know what? I, I, I don't want yesterday's blessing. I want new. I want fresh. I want rain from heaven. There's, a, there's, a, there's an old kind of story about a Jewish rabbi who in a time of drought, he drew a circle around him and he stood in that and he called down rain from heaven. And he said, I will not move from this circle in God says rain. You know, I wonder if there's people who want to kind of, if you want a game changing moment, you know, into God, you go, I'm going to draw that circle. I'm going to get on the practice ground and I'm going to ask God for breakthrough. I'm so glad in this place that even though when Kevin and Sally go through tough places, there are people in this who will go, I will draw that circle around and I will pray down heaven. You know what? God bless you if you've done that. It is easy to get distracted with your own whims and your own desires, but there are people out there who God says, will you do? I love the young people team who took Jake and lifted him before God. Jake is here today because of those game changers. It might take a bit of prayer. It might take that you give up a few meals a day, or three days, or five days, or seven days, or ten days. You won't know what you can do until you push yourself out. A few of the guys in the church are planning to do the um, Two Moors Way, 130 miles. We're, we're trying to target it over uh, four days. It's a 30-mile hike a day. Here's the, here's the simple discipline, you know. I don't think I've ever walked 30 miles in one day, never mind four. But do you know how you learn to do that? You walk five. And then you walk 10. And then you walk 15. Yesterday I walked 21 miles. I don't think I've ever walked 21 miles in one day before, you know. I got out of bed this morning looking like my granddad. <laughs> You understand, you know, if God has got a plan and destiny for your life, it doesn't just happen. You've got to get up and stop walking. You've got to step actually one foot in front. I'm going to go, I'm going to live for you. Samuel was the answer to a nation in depression, in desolation, in destruction. He's just a boy. I want to just show three areas of life, because if you can grab this principle, you will be a game changer. Really, it's really simple, it's really small. But there's three circles, if I can just show you the circles of the, the private space, the personal space, and the public space. The private space is you and God. What can happen in that private space is incredible. And what happens when we get into that private space and we spend time with God, he starts to speak to us. And there's a circle for Samuel's life that he went from the private to the personal to the public. And he journeyed through each step as God brought out of him that prophetic message that he would be a game changer. That calling in 1 Samuel 3 verse 1 to 4. 
It said, Samuel served the Lord by assisting the Eli's when the days of the Lord were rare and the visions were uncommon. And one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed and the lamp of God had not gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly the Lord called out and said, Samuel, I love this. Samuel is not called in front of people. He's not standing one day, you know. And when everybody's gathered to worship and Samuel, there's no big, just want to announce you. I, I love the fact he's, he's almost asleep. And you notice where he's sleeping near the ark of God. He's resting near the presence of God. If you're looking for a revelation in the public thing, let me tell you, God wants to speak to you one on one. Secret place. In here. And he started to talk. In fact, Samuel, by the way, this is how, how rare the word of God is. He didn't know how to recognize God's voice. That's how rare it was. He thought it was Eli. He thought it was a priest. He thought he's, he's his spiritual father, his mentor, because he's serving in, in the temple as a young boy. He's lighting candles. You know, he's opening doors. He's sweeping floors. You know, he's doing all of those things. And he hears this voice and he's like, oh, Eli's calling me. And then he, he does it twice. You know, the story, if you read it through, you know, again, God goes, Samuel. And off he, off he runs, Eli, did you call me? No, 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 I did not call you. Go to sleep. And he does it twice. And he goes, Samuel. And he's like, Eli, what are you doing? You're messing with me now, aren't you? I, I didn't call you. On the third time, Eli, this is the priest, right? The man who should know the voice of God. Suddenly goes, oh. It actually says about a level of spiritual fathers in that generation for Samuel, by the way. It's not good. It doesn't say a great thing. Just as he was blind in the natural, I would suggest he was blind in the spiritual. Finally he gets it. He says, well, okay, this is God speaking to you, Samuel. Because again, you want to say, here I am, Speak. In this moment, let me tell you right now, if you can find a space this week, a private space, to say, here I am, speak. I know God's going to talk to you. I know God's going to take a pen and he's going to write on your heart his plans and destiny for your life. Because the words of the Lord stand forever. There's a lot of people who say lots of things into our life. Yeah, that's going to happen. But it's what God says that matters. And in that quiet place, God wants to speak to us as a church. He speaks into our dreams. He speaks into our destiny. He knows what they are. He aligns them. And Samuel gets this download from God, which is quite challenging. He speaks about the nation. He's probably four, five, six, seven years old, really young. And there's something about Samuel by which it goes on to that personal area. Um, the next morning, Samuel got up and opened the doors of the temple as usual. I love this. This is the drills. This is the running back and forward. That I made. You know how I, I get to be a good dad? Because every day in my life, I'm there in the home. Unless I'm away, slightly, you know, but you understand. <laughs> because my testimony is consistent. My words and my character are consistent with God and what he's putting me into the private place. That does not mean I'm perfect, but you understand the presence. I'm there. The prayers that's offered to our children, over our children, the encouragement, the words, the meals that's prepped, isn't it? You know, it's not just one meal you provide to create a happy family. It's the meals every day, you know? 
it's, it's buying new, new trousers, you know, when, when your children start to grow and, you know, and you, need to, you understand the whole process. It's about being consistently over a long period of time. There, there was a place of responsibility. If we're going to steward the things of God, we've got to keep doing. And Samuel learned the things of God by serving others. If you learn this skill, if I, I'm just going to serve others, Joseph, before he became prime minister in the land of Egypt, he served in Potiphar's house. It was Potiphar's vision. It was somebody else. I'm just going to do the best I can. It says the Lord was with him. Some guy, you know, if you want to find destiny, you don't look in yourself going, it's all about me, you know, because that's egocentric. When you realize it's not about me, it's about God. God says, I want you to take. I'm going to teach you what it is to serve others. This role in getting this is not about the public space. It's about service. You know, somebody's shaking your hand on a Sunday morning, somebody making teas and coffee. You know, it's about service. We have a culture for serving in the house. You will find more about God in serving others. Have you noticed God uses your family to teach you things? Really irritating, isn't it? Who's got irritating family members? Just put your hand up. God, change them. Who's got irritating boss? (laughs) Any staff members? Put your hand up. You've pray, change them, God. They're just not doing it right. And God, I love God. He just nods because I understand, but this is all about me changing you. None of your prayers ever change God, by the way. But they do change you. They do change your heart. The personal place is our family. You know, the ones or twos, we start in the private zone and in the personal with our family, we start to demonstrate, we start to learn, we start to serve the people immediately around us. Stop looking too far into the future because what God has got for you is here and now. Where you are working, God has got a plan where you work. Where you are living, God has got a plan where you are living. Your family, right? You cannot choose your family, by the way. Have you noticed that? They are placed in your life by God. That doesn't mean they are perfect presence. But you have the ability to shape and to pray and to input into their life. And it's an act of service. That's the personal space. You know, and if we take out of the private zone that God gives us and starts to share that out like bread, God starts to bless our family. Don't wait for your family to bless you. You be the blessing. Don't wait for your boss to bless you. Bless him. Bless the company with productivity. Bless your street. Take out of what God gives you. As God freely gives to you, freely share out of your life. And then Samuel moves into the place of recognition, the place of influence. On Samuel 2, verse 21, it said, The child Samuel grew before the Lord. Verse 26 of chapter 2, Samuel receives favor from God and man. 1 Samuel 3, verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not let any of his words fall to the ground. Samuel moves from the private space of the presence of God into the personal space of the temple where he worked and served into the public space where he suddenly started to speak into the destiny of a nation. You know when the presence of God was stolen by the Philistines? It's a really funny story, by the way. The Bible's got some funny stories because God wasn't happy that they tried to steal the presence of God. He knew they couldn't do it, but because they thought they could, he sent a curse on them. and He sent piles as a curse. Don't you love God who does that? Or is it just me? <laughs> Do you, not, do you not just imagine their, 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 their militia, military planning, you know, where one day, rather than sitting down around the board table, they all had to stand up because they were in so much pain. Do you not imagine the Bible like that? Or do you just clean it out completely, isn't it? Let's all sit down. No, no. Let's all stand up and work out what we're going to do with this thing. 
They put it in their temple. They put the ark of God, you know, and, and ooh, we've captured God. That's what they said. We have captured God. I love it because they're false idols. When they came in the morning, fell down and broke. God goes, I'm not having that. Boom. You know, and they walk in, you're like, oh, pants. Because <laughs> they're a suspicious bunch. And God is messing with them and they put it on a cart, by the way. And they send it back into Israel where it stays at a farm for 20 years. And then this farm, God blesses the farmer. And, and Samuel is growing up. And suddenly, when the news of that presence of God being stolen, taken into captivity, the Eli the priest fell off his chair, broke his neck. 20 years old, Samuel was the leader of that nation now. A spiritual leader. This is what he does. It's only half of his life story, by the way. But he walks up and around the country and he preaches the name of God. And somehow what he's learned in the private space, he deposits wherever he goes. Every town, every village, every family, he starts to teach about God. And when he's gone around them all, he then says, we need to pray together as a nation. And he calls them to prayer. And he calls a nation in the public space back to the private space. I'm speaking way beyond, I think I'm speaking something that will apply to our nation, church, corporately. I want to call you back to the private space in God, personally. We've reversed it. You come in for a blessing publicly and then we'll go out into our small families and then I'll get God into the private space. It's the wrong way around, it's the wrong direction. You know what God is calling you to? No, you, one-on-one, me and you. Here's where the revelation starts and then out of that you're going to share in the smaller group. Imagine if... Every week, you're in the presence of God every day. You know, you imagine what church, 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 Sunday church could be like. You're, you're bringing, oh, God has spoken to me this week. Imagine you're walking in, you're like heavy with the weight of God because you know you're carrying, you know, it's not down to whoever's leading worship. You're like, come on, guys, smile. You're like, I'm already in the presence of God. I'm already carrying God right now. It is easy. And I'm so glad. I have, because I, I find what's happening in churches, you know, what we're doing when we say, let's pray, everybody runs to their private space. It's the most weirdest thing in the world. We're all laughing and joking because and we're, we're quite an interactive church. And then we let's pray and it's like, zoom, the energy runs out the room. What are we doing? We're running from the public space into the private because we haven't had the private. If you've had God in you this week, when somebody says corporately, let's pray, you stay in the corporate zone and go, yes, let us pray. Let us go for it, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm there, Aaron. You know, I, I'm not just praying on my own and you've just gone all run into a corner. We're, we're one voice. L- let me tell you, when you connect together in prayer, things start to happen. I'd love a culture like that. Culture means we're all doing that. The public space calls them to pray. They call on the name of the Lord. And this is what happens, right? Then they go and rout the Philistines. Which is a bit harsh because they're going to pick on people who've got piles. But from 20 years on, from that moment of routing the Philistines, there's peace in the land because God has taken them from the private to the personal to the public space. Change again. Family, in your work, wherever God's called you to be. Can we get here first? And don't keep it there because God's going to burst out of you like anything. He never wants to stay just you and him. He goes, there's so much I want to tell you. This. And you just won't be able to contain God. You become a representative of God. You start to share it with those ones or twos. 
And then we come together, it's about this big celebration point of God in us. Let's pray. There's a moment in the game when a player steps up to the line and you see him jumping up and down and running on the spot, cricking his neck, unzipping his tracksuit top, taking that last breath before he steps onto the field. This is the moment that he's dreamt about, the moment he's worked all his life for. This is his moment. In this prayer, I want this to be a moment for you. To make a decision to say, God, I, I want to live for you. And if it's your first time in, and you are looking for answers and for fulfillment, I want to tell you, you can find it in Jesus Christ. The Son of God, sent by God to live and walk this earth, who died on the cross. When he said the words, I've come that you might have life, his death can impart in you a life that is just mind-blowing. The start of your journey spiritually is to invite Jesus into your life. I want to offer an opportunity in our quiet prayer right now, if you want to invite Jesus into your life, that you say, come, live in me. While it's quiet, if you want to do that this morning, I want to invite God into my life. This is the first time, or perhaps a long time ago you did, but this is a refreshment. Just put your hand up so I can see. Go, yeah. It's me. Anybody else? Your private space, this is you and God. This is the start of a journey. Anybody else before I rush in? just going to roll this forward a little bit further if you feel I've been speaking to you and you know you've left the private space haven't been there for a while but there's something about you said that Darren I want to get back to that space just as an act of faith just like that person who said I want to live my life for you if you feel you're invited into that place just pop your hand up too thanks see up and down flash this is about between you and God That hand is like you stepping up to that line, getting ready to go onto the practice pitch. Anybody else? Come on. Good. Beautiful. Great. You know this hand's going up all around. Quick flicks of the fingers of the hands of the arms. God's going to teach you things in this place, but you need to give him space and time. your day, you need to eke out some time in your day. However busy you are, you need to make a priority to say, God, I'm going to give this 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever it is, to get into the private place. You can do it. And in that space, God is going to speak to you. Father God, I pray you create us to be a church that knows the presence of God. Beyond our services and in the private space. <coughs> So much so that we make a difference. God, I want to be a, a game-changing church. I want us to be full of game-changing people. That make a difference in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces. Even in the routine, you make a difference in the small things that we do for our children, for our family, for our neighbours. 
in those personal spaces grow us as a church. God, we pray that you would change this nation. We acknowledge we are in a community where the word of the Lord is rare. We'd even say that even in churches, the word of the Lord is rare. And we're looking for your prophetic voice to speak life into this place. Speak life to us right now in Jesus' name. Amen.